Hello? Hey, Katiekins. It's Rosalie. Want to have a slumber party? I'm Dr. Miracle, Monsieur Madame. And I'm not a sideshow charlatan. So if you expect to witness the usual carnival hocus-pocus, just go to the box office and get your money back. I'm not exhibiting a freak, a monstrosity of nature, but a milestone in the development of life. Hello, Slumberkins. I'm Rosalie Kicks. And I'm Katie McBrown. And we are best friends forever. Each episode, we roll out our sleeping bags, pick out a flick featuring one of our favorite heartthrobs, and we gab about it. Well, I am very excited, Slumberkins, because we have a guest on today's show, and this is our first guest. Yes, that's right, folks. We're cool enough to allow our number one fan to co-host with us. I will be so bold to say that this is an illustrious guest. A grand human, if I do say so myself. Yes, I'm very curious, though, to see what kind of snacks he brought, even though I'm also a bit terrified. Well, I surely doubt it's anything to get my tummy rumbling, that's for sure. All right. Well, for today's sleepover, Slumberkins, we have a very special pal here. It is none other than our fan club president, Mr. Clank. Hello, hello, illustrious grand human. Afraid not. I'm just a schmo who got lucky. Lucky to get on this podcast. Yes, and it sounds like you're recording from your crypt. <laughs> it's a, a crypt in training. I see. Now, should we call you Clink, or do you go by any other name? I feel like I don't even know your real name. <laughs> well, it's easy. It's Mr. Clink. Mr. Clink. <laughs> Okay. Well, I just want to make sure that I'm addressing you properly, because on the internets, I know you have like a world-renowned ghost-busting business. Well, we'll save that for another time. Okay. All right. That'll be when you earn your second episode. (laughs) I have two questions. Where is Mr. Clink from? Where did that name come from? Well, Mr. Clink, you know, people have names, and... um... That's that's mine. Oh, easy, easy answer. I like it. <laughs> so there's really no mystery here. It's just that was how you were born. That's it. Mr. Clink. He came out and they were like, this baby is a mister. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and then I have another thing, because I don't know if you know this about Rosalie and I, but we have baked beans for brains. We forget a lot of things. And I have I need a refresher on how you guys met. I think it was something like you locked eyes like an Aubon pain in Niagara Falls. Like am I right? No, that's not true. That's I don't know where you got that story. I gotta dust off the old web. Well speaking of baked beans, funny enough we met at a baked bean eating competition. <laughs> that that is also not true. <laughs> These are lies. No. I believe Mr. Clink started following Sunday Matinee, which was an old blog that I had on Tumblr. That's true. I remember. Like, I think like a decade ago. And he signed up for my, as my dad referred to it, my fan club, (laughs) where I would send out mail to these random people. 
and just weird things. And I think at one point I sent a movie John because I was trying to show people like, hey, there's this cool movie zine. And then I think you started writing for us. Hmm. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I was at the baked bean eating competition. <laughs> I usually have one uh, scheduled every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. And yeah, I was looking on the internets and found the movie John and Sunday matinee and thought, hey, why not me? Why not me? Well, I don't know if I will ever come to your home then, because it probably stinks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of beans. Yeah, that's a lot of beans. Well, you got to be ready. Thanks for refreshing me on that, though. And thanks for bringing up Sunday Matinee, because I enjoyed that that good read. Yeah, I've been trying to revive the newsletter, but then things happened. It's going to come back again. You know, Great. there's no timeline on things. You just do it. Yeah. Before we get to the hunky horror flick pick, Clink, our listeners need to know, what is your favorite slumber party snack? First of all, you can't have a snack without a a drink. So we're going to need to wrestle up some strawberry quick from the pantry. You know, strawberry quick, preferably in dust form, powder powder form. (laughs) Whoa, 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 wait, yeah, wait, no, no, no dust form like you're just eating the dust well you gotta add milk at some point but yeah so oh my god a scoop a scoop in the milk a scoop in the mouth yeah swish it around well i I wanted to differentiate between the syrup and the powdered okay yeah i mean as a child the powder was the only option i feel yeah and and that's that was the best option not only the only option but the best option because at the end you got a chewy little treat at the bottom of your glass i never experienced that because i would really mix it up (laughs) so but okay to each their own so the dust of strawberry quick and what else well and if uh if i'm being totally honest with you too if you don't have any strawberry quick just pull out a big can of hawaiian punch that still comes in cans right um i don't know but i (laughs) i think uh it might come in like a plastic type of wear these these days no 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 I know what he's talking about. It's like when you buy pineapple juice. There you go. But it's Hawaiian punch. Tin. It's like a tin. Yes. It's a tin. And then you use a can opener to like make those triangles. Oh, yeah. That's right. And you would get the devil horns on your lips (laughs) from drinking it. Yes. And your teeth would be stained. It was gorgeous. It was well worth it. Yeah. Yes. So Hawaiian punch. But what are you eating? Oh, well, this is a little something I, I happened upon one, uh, one late one evening. So when you get down to the last of the pantry, you kind of have to get creative. So what I uncovered, guys, get ready. It's going to blow your minds. Take a bag, corn chips, generic, preferably the just generic corn chips, fill up a bowl. Well, and the corn chips have to be the scoops. Let me specify that the scooped mm. shape corn chips and then you fill it up with halloween cupcake sprinkles that you've had in your pantry for two years and you just can't get rid of fill it up mix it up take a bite i call that the witch's brew oh wow so a little salty and a little sweet yep all together huh that is something (laughs) i don't know how i feel about this snack oh it's good trust me (laughs) i feel clank when you would go to a slumber party you probably had a snack all to yourself. Like nobody wanted it. 
Yeah, I never understood why, but hey, the more for me. Right. That's true. Make it just for yourself. All right. Yep. Well, Katie, what about you? What is your favorite snack? I don't know if I've ever asked you that. I feel like this is just going to be so boring now after what Clink told us. Because mm. I didn't choose a beverage, but I chose a sweet snack and a salty snack because you need both. I love those sour watermelons. I can eat so many of them that like I can't feel my tongue after a while. The sugar just like scrubs all the taste buds right off. And then just as simple as white cheddar popcorn for the salt. Okay. That's it. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of boring. I know. I feel like I should have gone first. Well, you know what pairs really good with white cheddar popcorn? That's Halloween cupcake sprinkles. (laughs) I had a feeling that was coming. I feel like you're just putting these sprinkles on everything. There's no law about what can or cannot be sprinkled. Trust me. Have you ever tried it on a slice of pizza? You know what? I'm ordering pizza tonight. Hmm. Yes, please report back. (laughs) You're going to give it a go and see. I mean, why not? It's kind of like sprinkling on, instead of Parmesan, (laughs) a little bit of sprinkles. Yeah, and any kind of sprinkles will do, but they have to be Halloween. So you got your green sprinkles, you got your orange sprinkles, purple, black. All sprinkles, all the time. Right. Okay. I'm picturing like little, like little witches' hats and little spiders, cobwebs. Yeah. yeah, you get the idea. It gets it nice and spooky. I like it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's up to you now, Kix. What What do you eat? Well, mine is most definitely cheese curls, or as my grandmother Rosalie would call them, corn curls. Although. I prefer to eat these outside of my home because the orange dust creates quite a disaster for sofa cushions. <laughs> and I don't want that issue at my house. Honestly, when I'm eating them, I should probably put gloves on or be eating in a bubble because the dust just gets everywhere. Yeah, You'll see streaks in the house <laughs> on the wall. It's bad. Orange handprints all over the house? Yes. Like, how wild are, How wild do you get when you're eating these cheese curls? See, the problem is that my hands tend to always be somewhat moist. <laughs> so then it, it just, it stays on them, like, permanently. Like, my hands will be orange after I'm done eating them. But I love cheese curls. Tell us the truth. Have you ever wiped your hand on Foxy to get rid of the <laughs> remains? I- I mean, probably, especially during my drinking days. Who knows what was in that fur? (laughs) fur. (laughs) Things fell in. Actually, Ben and I were discussing this because I feel like she used to like when I would drop crumbs in. Oh, for sure. And then she would find it later, a little treat. (laughs) Savor snack. Yeah. That's probably my favorite snack and i i don't buy them too often Hmm. because you get wild with them yeah you can't just eat 10 of them you have to just keep eating them the whole bag yeah i actually have a tip that you can use for cheese curls so get a bunch of them put them in a bag and just crunch them up into dust okay then you make then you make ramen noodles okay oh gosh and then you melt like a half a bag of sharp cheddar in with the noodles, sprinkle a little cheese curl dust on the top. There you have it. Twice baked cheese spaghetti. Cheese spaghetti. Mm-hmm. Where do you get these 
recipes. You just have to be creative in the kitchen. That's all. Okay. I feel like there's a lot of cheese dust in the kitchen, in your kitchen right now. <laughs> no, I use every part of the cheese, even the dust. <laughs> even wow. the dust. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's something that maybe, maybe our listeners will go with. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll add the recipe uh, on our Instagram. <laughs> oh, great. Yes. Yes, I I think we should. And then people can report back after they try cheese spaghetti. And witch's brew. Yes. Witch's brew. Well, I think there's been enough chatting. It's time for Girl Talk. Talk, talk, talk. Girl Talk, talking back. Girl Talk Dateline, the game about the two things girls like best, talking on the phone and... I'd love to go. Bye. For our latest installment of Hunky Horror, we are going to be chatting about the 1932 black and white beauty Murders in the Rue Morgue, starring the hunkiest of the hunk, Bela Lugosi. I have to admit, Slumberkins, I did not pick this film. This was a Clink and Rosalie production. There's Not that there's anything bad about it, just as a teen, I would not have chosen a black and white flick to get the party going, unless it was... George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Now that was something I could get behind. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. Well, I have to agree with you, Katie Kins, because when I was a teenager, anything black and white had to go. And it was a byproduct of growing up a child of the 80s and 90s because, like, you know, Saturday mornings, cartoons. You had every cartoon imaginable. Everybody had a cartoon. Rambo, uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, even Little Shop of Horrors had a cartoon. So you were just bombarded with all this awesomeness. And then, like, the minute it turned noon... It was either golf or like old I Love Lucy reruns. So anytime I got a whiff of anything black and white, I knew it was time to turn, change the channel and start playing Nintendo. So I'd say the best thing about getting old, like you hit a certain age and you're like black and white is great. So that's the best thing of getting old, uh, liking black and white movies. Well, so apparently what you're saying is I would have ruined the party. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Attention. We're going to talk more about it. So remember, Slumberkins, for the film to end up on the Slumber Party watch shelf, it needs to earn at least five gold stars. And I know, without a doubt, this is ending up on the shelf. Because of all the hotties and the furry creatures. Yes. Let's get the Slumber Party started. All right. As we're chatting, if you hear a twinkle sound, that signifies that it earned a star. And Katie Kens, will you share the criteria for earning a gold star, along with some of the fantastic additions in honor of spooky season? To refresh your little baked bean brains, slumberkins, a star is earned when there is a mall, a bonus babe, radical fashions, a bodacious soundtrack, a bad boy, nudies, a rebel girl, pizza delivery, first kiss, wild hair, crazy cuisines, and dream digs. And for the spooky occasion, we have added sexy slasher, wacky weaponry, foodie fatality, gratuitous gore, killer knockout, murderous music, and valiant victim. As always, Lumberkins, we are open to suggestions, so shoot us a note, DM us on Instagram at bestfriendsforever.pod. That is bestfriendsforever.pod. Instagram only. Yes. 
I'm so glad that I was able to convince you to to watch Murders in the Rue Morgue, especially after showing you the VHS box. Katie, were you scared of the box? Um, I wouldn't say I was scared. I was intrigued. I loved how large Bella's hair and head was, <laughs> taking up the entire cover, basically. So we knew something sinister was to happen. But then I was really pulled in when I noticed to the left that hunky ape carrying that woman. Yes. I knew I was in for a treat. Clink, what do you think of the box? Did you find it captivating, eye-catching? Oh, I, I love these boxes because it takes me right back to Suncoast Motion Picture Company. Did you guys ever spend all your allowance at the Suncoast Motion Picture Company? I did. When I used to work for my grandparents at their farmer's market, I would go in there and everything was very overpriced, but it would be like basically my salary out the window for like one movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You had to really pick your movie. You had to take your time and uh, you couldn't get distracted by the Laserdisc because you didn't have a Laserdisc player, but you knew that's where it was headed, right? The Laserdisc. Yes. Why? Lasers, (laughs) Lasers, <laughs> right? Lasers. It's in the title. Lasers. That really draws you in. They also had a lot of other items in there. Toys. I was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, there was like figurines, things that were just captivating to look at. And the thing too, I remember they had a lot of like special edition box sets too. So the one that really sticks out in my mind that if I could go back and change like one thing in my life like it wouldn't it would be this i would have bought the halloween box set with the michael myers snow globe <gasps> like <laughs> wow wait why was he in a snow globe i don't know that was the thing who knows what was going on in the 90s none of us did but it gave us the michael myers snow globe there was also a fargo that had a snow globe with the wood chipper it was amazing wow I just Googled Michael Myers snow globe and you can get one at Spencer's for $9.99. Uh, it's better than that one. It's better than that one. <laughs> there's a few. There's a few. There's one on eBay for $70. That's probably the real deal. Well, guys, if we can all go in together, we could just take turns uh, with the snow globe. But anyway, we can share it. You mean like send it to each other's houses like Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants? Yes. Is that what that movie was about? Snow globes? No, that was about pants. Oh, okay. I never saw it. <laughs> it well, we, we can remake it as Sisterhood of the Traveling Snow Globe if you'd like. Okay. That make that would make much more sense. We're in the sisterhood. We're getting the snow globe. It really takes me back throughout our lives and forever, I imagine, Universal's going to constantly be rebranding the, the, the monsters and trying to introduce them to a new generation. So, I mean... Before we were born, that happened with Shock Theater, right? Where they uh, licensed a bunch of the old movies and they were on TV all the time. And then I want to say around the 90s, there was that big push. So this gave us the classic collection boxes, which uh, is the box for this VHS. And it had like your hero or monster hero real big on the front. And uh, the title of the film, classy put it on your shelf, put it on your wall. And I mean, it really felt like trading cards you could watch because I wanted to collect them all. Problem was, I was way more into Freddy and Jason at the time. And and like I said before, my utter disdain for black and white for (laughs) robbing me of cartoons on Saturday morning afternoons. 
So yeah, I never picked these up, but I'm working on uh, remedying that situation now. Yeah, good. Yes, you've come to the better side of black and white film. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so for those that are not familiar with this 1932 film, which is probably a lot of our slumber kins, I will share the back of the box summary. Based on the story by Edgar Allan Poe, Murders in the Rue Morgue is a haunting, atmospheric classic heavily influenced by the German expressionist classic, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. A deranged scientist, Dr. Miracle, played by Bella Lugosi, searches Paris for a prospective bride for his pet gorilla. Inviting ladies to his sinister laboratory, he injects his victims with gorilla's blood and then disposes of their ravaged bodies through an ingenious trapdoor. Miracle settles on a beautiful young woman played by Sidney Fox to be the mate of his gorilla kidnapping her from her fiancé, Pierre Dupin, played by Leon Wakoff. But just as the young lady is about to be sacrificed in the name of unholy science, a frantic Dupin locates his betrothed and rescues her from unspeakable evolutionary experiments. This picture is something. I would have brought it to a sleepover because I was that weird little kid <laughs> And one of my favorite motion pictures growing up was Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein from 1948. My Uncle Weasel, yes, his name is Weasel, showed me all of the Universal Monster films at a young age. So I was very obsessed with them. And yeah, I would have brought this to a sleepover. I probably, <laughs> this is probably why I didn't have a lot of friends. Because I'm like bringing my black and white films and people are like, it's time to snooze. Just imagine me popping this in the VHS player at a slumber. Yeah, I would have gone right to sleep. I would have put the slumber in slumber party. Now I'm one of those guys that would be like, shut up, shut up. The monkey's on the screen. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I was at a slumber party and this came on, I would probably sneak out and see if anybody had like a Sega Genesis. <laughs> if there was a Sega in the house and I could... uh you know, practice my Sonic for a little bit. <laughs> I was quite the typical teen, so I would have probably either fallen asleep or just, like, called my mom to come get me. Oh, my God. Sorry, Rosalie. You would have been the kid that's like, I have a stomach ache. I mean, I did that often at summer parties because <laughs> I would get to the point where I was like, oh, I don't want to sleep on the ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just want to get in my bed. This is not what I signed up for. So I did. I called. I called my mom quite a bunch. Oh my god. Well, one thing is for sure, I love these old flicks because their run times are so crisp. So many thrills and chills and it's just 61 minutes. I can't stand at a slumber party like if somebody pops in like a three hour saga. Like when there's like a double box VHS and you know you have to take one out and put another in. That person's kicked out of the slumber party crew. Yeah, that's when like a belly ache comes and i'm like <laughs> i have to call my mother <laughs> i did enjoy the timing of this as well i love something that is 90 minutes if it's 90 minutes i can do it i feel like everything else seems very daunting yeah and i agree i think shorter movies are better because you can always try and sneak in another one afterwards and make like a super cool uh, double secret feature and i'm really into double features 
For instance, Abbott and Costello pairs nicely with the Monster Squad. Oh, hmm. no, I agree. That's also then appeasing to a lot of different tastes. Yeah, you're getting a little bit of both. You have a black and white. You have a goofy 80s flick. That's right. Perfect. Yeah. Well, this film opens in 1845 Paris, and we are immediately introduced to our hunky horror hotthrob, Bela Lugosi. And he is a charlatan at a carnival of sorts, and he has a sideshow act with this ape whose name is Eric, and he's showing the audience how he's able to speak with him and communicate. So I was probably in the minority here because while Bela is a fine actor and I do love him as Dracula, I just didn't agree that he was the heartthrob. My heart belongs to Pierre, played by the easy on the eyes Leon Ames. Yes, this is true. There was some disagreement here about the hunky horror heartthrob. However, there are two against one here, Katie. (laughs) The star remains for Bela and... I'm sorry, but we're not giving one to Pierre. Yeah, sorry, Katie. I mean, Bela is a forever hunk. He will always be the hunk. No matter hero, villain, uh, mad scientist, hunk forever. <laughs> okay. Hunk forever. Yes. Pierre couldn't even like make up his mind about his wardrobe. I mean, is that a cape or is that a cloak? Pierre, make up your mind. Pick one. Yeah. Don't do both. This cape's cloaks were outstanding, though. <laughs> well... Afterwards, Pierre and Camille, that's his partner, they go to see Eric up close and personal. And Eric snatches the woman's bonnet through the bars of his cage. And Katie, I know you love bonnets. Well, you know that I have a special place in my heart for bonnets (laughs) because it reminds us or reminds me. I don't know if you remember our long home adventure. How could I forget the long home? (laughs) My son was there. Charles. Yes, Chucky. Your son Charles was there creeping and crawling. Yeah, Clink, did I tell you about that? What happened? When we went on a sleepover adventure, I took Charles, (laughs) Chucky. He was toddling around. Oh. Clink, when I woke up in the morning, I opened my bedroom door and he was standing there. Just waiting. Just lurking. (laughs) <laughs> he was hungry. But he's your son, not mine. I don't need to feed him. Oh, I see. But I was on vacation and he expected you to be cooking breakfast. Also, he took my voice because I had zero voice when I woke up that morning and we weren't doing anything crazy. Anyway, the bonnet is snatched. Well, I also really couldn't stand Camille off the bat. She had the shrillest voice. And I was hoping that Eric would just take her away, like right then and there. Like, don't just take the bonnet, take her voice box. He likes you, Camille. Look, he wants your bonnet. Eric is only human, mademoiselle. He has an eye for beauty. You have made a conquest, mademoiselle. Well, that is something about movies of this time. I do feel a lot of the female actors, their voices were very shrill. And I don't know if it was, oh, maybe figuring out sound or what it was. But 
Clink, don't you think a lot of the females, like their screams were shrill? They were very shrill, but I'll tell you what, like I would totally want to take this lady to the wax museum and just to see what happens. Because, you know, you turn the corner. Oh, the wolf pen. Oh, Benjamin Franklin. You would need to wear earplugs. Yes, there would be a lot of screams. That's what would happen. I don't think this is really a mystery. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Look, I just want any excuse to go to a wax museum, all right? I would rather go with someone mute. (laughs) My favorite part of this moment is, of course, when the bonnet is snatched, but then how Bela insists on obtaining her address because he wants to send her a new bonnet. When in reality, we know he wants this address for other reasons, which we'll get into in a little bit. But he's very clever here, asking for the address. A little trickster, that Bela. So I just was like, imagine this day and age... Like someone asking for your your address. Like what what would you do, Clink? Uh, I would get a new pen pal is what I would do. <laughs> wow. You just became besties with a friend. Yeah, I'd be like, send me a postcard and I'll get right back to you. Pen pal. You're so much nicer than I am. So you wouldn't be suspicious at all. Like why does this man with an ape want my address? No, I'd uh, actually... Provided with a self-addressed stamped envelope so he could send me a letter right away. Well, he would send you your bonnet back, too. There was, there was, <laughs> there was something in it for you. You were getting a new bonnet. I guess. I suppose. Yep. You end up with a new bonnet and a pen pal. Like, it's a win-win. <laughs> well, the next we see Pierre, he is now serenading Camille. And... I personally could not stand this man. Like, (laughs) there is a line that he says to her. You're like a star, a white morning star, and your hair is full of stardust. And if someone said this to me, I would start laughing. (laughs) Katiekins, you had a fondness for this Pierre, so much so that you deemed him a hunky horror, but I don't even see how. Well, like I mentioned before, he were cape cloaks and yeah i mean he was a little cheesy with the lines but he he was the one that made my heart flutter in this flick well it's up to clink if he wants to give this guy a star but i am saying no well i do have to agree yeah he did have a cape or a cloak wasn't quite sure which is which (laughs) but that deserves a star i'm gonna give him two stars and a half a star for his dapper little mustache. Actually make that two half stars for each side of the mustache. Oh my god. No. No. Link is throwing stars out here and I like it. He gets one star. One star. He's not getting more than Bella. <laughs> I'm not giving him a star. I'm giving his cloak a star. And his mustache two half stars. So like... Radical fashions and I don't even know. Yeah. Facial hair. <laughs> facial fashions, yeah. Facial fashion. Wow. Well, I thank you for giving him stars. Rosalie is usually the one around here trying to throw stars around. So I like that this is, <laughs> is this is your new thing. Facial fashion. Facial fashion. Very important. 
Well, I suppose I do like this new star category, though, facial fashion. Well, meanwhile, while the serenading's going on, Bela is out on the foggy city streets of Paris in his handsome cab, scooting around and skulking. And this is something we did all agree on. Bella had some hot wheels. I mean, it was a pretty cool vehicle, so I'll give him that. And I did like that he, I love a good skulking and I like being like in the shadows. That kind of stuff always interests me. I mean, I would have rather he turn into a bat to get around, but yeah, we'll give him the vehicle. We'll give that one a star. Good. He abducts this woman out on the streets and he takes her back to his laboratory and he strings her up and then he attempts to inject her with ape blood. And it's quite sinister. Very sinister. It took a really sharp turn here, the movie. And we were not going to go back to the days of asking for addresses for dainty bonnets to be returned. We were in for some kind of ride, I feel. It got real weird right here, right? This is just pure Bela magic, right? This is the part where he's like, everyone step back. I'm going to chew this scenery. I'm going to chew it up. I'm going to take a big Bela bite and you're going to get a show. And that's exactly what we got. So I'd say more of this, less of anything else. Yeah. And this is probably where I feel the slumber party, the slumberkins would start getting terrified. And the line where Bela says, you shall be the bride of science. That's, that's scary. You only last one more minute and we shall see. We shall know if you are to be the bride of science. <laughs> yeah, I would not want to be any kind of experiment at all, let alone seeing a needle full of blood. Whose blood? Little did she know it was ape blood. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. I wouldn't want to be experimented on unless... The mad scientist was was Bela, of course. Because you would trust him. Oh, yeah. He's had so much experience with mad scienting. Scienceting. Been a mad scientist a whole bunch of times, so he knows what he's doing. <laughs> scienceting. Yeah. Scienceting. It's a word. Let's go for it. So, unfortunately, though, this woman dies after she's injected with the blood of the ape. Apparently, her blood did not commingle properly. And... Bela quickly disposes of this body with the assistance of Vianos, and he's a ghoul-like creature that Katie was attempting to give a bonus babe star to, and I had to put my foot down here because no, no. I was not. You had duped me with your notes, and you made it seem like he was Pierre at one point. This may have happened. Yes. And again... Because my brain is full of webs, I was thinking that he was Pierre. I have the text receipts. Well, this is why you need to keep notes. You refuse to take notes. You know I'm lazy when it comes to writing. You almost put Yanos (laughs) as a bonus babe. I'm going to believe it because, Katie, I think you're a little boy crazy. Is that right? (laughs) Maybe. I have a soft spot for for the dudes. Now, I, this this guy, Janos, I mean, he wasn't the best Bela Labix assistant. I think that uh, that obviously goes to Tor Johnson and Bride of the Monster. This guy was okay. He was all right. Yeah. 
Like if they were making action figures of this movie, he would be in like the fourth or fifth wave. We wouldn't get him right at the start. No, definitely not. And there probably would be a very limited amount made and (laughs) it would cause the price to skyrocket (laughs) later on eBay. Now, this guy would be a peg warmer. That's when you go to the store and all you have are Yanoshes. And you're like, what is going on? I wanted an Eric. I wanted the Eric and the Bela 2-pack. Yes. And I just got to buy this chump. Well, I'm just going to chalk up this whole bonus babe thing. It's a miscommunication. Yeah. I mean. All I can say is, though, if you would have been nominating this guy, I would have a really hard time understanding why Bella didn't make the cut for you. <laughs> That's all, all I'm going to say about that. But with the help of Janos, or Janos, or whatever the name. Janice. <laughs> I feel like one of us is mispronouncing it. It's probably me. Bella disposes of the corpse with the use of a trap door and plop into the sewers she goes with the turtles, never to be seen again. And after she is gone... Bella is getting very upset because he's like, will my search ever end? And I have to say, this scene earns a star for Killer Knockout because it's chilling the way he just dumps the body. No, I agree. Like, again, I'll say this movie, you you, you kind of figure you're going to get a silly monkey movie. And this, like, Dunstan checks in. I got that. I thought this is the Dunstan checks in of uh, Bela's filmography. But this, again, is kind of messed up. I definitely feel like the trap door was one of the coolest parts, though. I loved that he just had this trap door and then they went like, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty quick cleanup. Well, for him, but then, you know, the sewers, there's like a little clogging factor. <laughs> <laughs> The city was probably not pleased. Well, what does he care? No, he doesn't. I mean, unless it's backing up his toilet. But I don't think there were even toilets then. No, you just went wherever. Yeah, just whenever you wanted to go. In the 1800s. Well, the corpses do eventually start washing up on the shores. They end up at the city morgue, causing much distress because they have these strange wounds from where he's injecting these ladies and Pierre has an interest in the dead body and he wants to examine it. If we didn't mention this, Pierre is also a man of science and in particular, he wants to test the blood because he notices the puncture wounds, but this is forbidden. He is not able to just test the blood until he provides a bit of compensation to the coroner, and that sways the guy. How can you not find Pierre so attractive here, though? (laughs) He is so smart, and just, he immediately wants to check the blood, because he's suspicious. But I agree that money always gets the jaws flapping. It's, uh, what's that old saying, guys? It's like, uh, more money, more trading cards. And you could certainly use that that money to buy like a whole new box of trading cards i have never heard that phrase i haven't heard that phrase either yeah it's fairly common guys i don't know maybe you need to get (laughs) off the internet and just go out and live every once in a while just read a book is that what you're telling us (laughs) yeah (laughs) i like to get free trading cards from our number one fan which is you yeah well how do you think i got those trading cards i mean they just don't grow on trees oh my god (laughs) 
Okay. Here's the thing, guys. We now meet Pierre's roomie. Right after he goes from the morgue, he goes back home. And clearly, this is his true love, Paul. Paul is cooking (laughs) macaroni for him. And Pierre is just ignoring these noodles. And this makes Paul remark. The macaroni's ready. The coffee's getting cold. Aren't you going to eat your lunch? You give five francs to that old ghoul down at the morgue, and, and I have to turn magician and pull a loaf of bread out of my nose so we can eat. Dupin, you might at least have decency to come to the table. Pierre, why don't you go down to the morgue and live there instead of making a morgue out of our home? I mean, clearly Paul was like me and only had eyes for Pierre. <laughs> but I did love this this scene because it was really freaking bizarre like he's just like i cook and clean all day for you (laughs) and it's it was just a weird sharp turn but i also really loved when he starts calling him names like vampire vulture body snatcher no doubt they have some kind of love connection but how could he not and it was in this part that another star is earned for crazy cuisine because what was that macaroni and what was that sauce that was poured on the nudes. Well, you know, speaking of uh, macaroni and sauce, I can tell you what pairs with a nice macaroni. Here we go. All right. So you know how you go out to eat, you end up going home with the leftover chips and the hot sauce, the salsa, if you will. So save that salsa. Chips will be fine. Save the salsa. Steam me up some good old ramen noodles again. Best noodles out there. Mix in the salsa and a whole can of cream of mushroom soup. There you go. Oh my goodness. No. Wow. That sounds horrid. No, no. Don't worry, guys. We will also add this recipe to our Instagram. Don't worry. (laughs) I don't know if anyone is going to be pining for these concoctions. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) If you're feeling a little wild, all right, you get yourself some chicken nuggets, cut those up, add it to the dish. Hey, you got yourself... Chicken spaghetti right there. Chicken spaghetti. Wow. Garnish with cheese and you're ready to serve. That'll feed you. Rosalie does like an Alfredo. I do love Alfredo when it's not already eaten into. Clink, the one time we went to Olive Garden Uh and I ordered an Alfredo and they brought it to me and it looked half devoured. (laughs) That waiter was hungry on the way. He definitely ate a good couple of scoops. I look forward to Olive Garden for the leftovers because I usually have some, you know, like it's a lot of pasta. But this time I ate the whole thing <laughs> she because did. half of it was gone. Well, he couldn't resist it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was not our lovely waiter, Clyde, either. Was that his name, Clyde? No, Cletus. Cletus? <laughs> we had a waiter named Cletus and... I know when you picture him, you're thinking like, oh, 80 years old. No, this was like 17. A young fella. A young fetus? Yeah. Wow. Well, back to the film. Fortunately, the blood is delivered by the coroner to Pierre. You know, that as we said, the money talks. And he finds that there is something being injected into these victims before they die. And while this is all happening, Camille 
gets a bonnet delivery, which is another point of contention. I mean, we've been discussing these bonnets, and it seems like Katie and you, Clink, you're both pro-bonnet. But I find the bonnets to be deplorable. Like, I would not want anything to do with this bonnet. It is hideous. Um, I mean, you're kind of telling me that our long home adventure meant nothing to you. Because <laughs> they hold a special place in my heart. I'm going to go with Radical Fashions. It's up to Clink. Ooh, with the bonnets, I don't know. I'm kind of going to side with uh, Rosalie on this one. I mean... Bonnets make me think of Baby Huey. He was like, do you remember Baby Huey? He was that big duck in a diaper and a, <laughs> and a bonnet. And it was, it was weird. It made me feel weird when I was a kid. I never liked Baby Huey. I don't remember Baby Huey. It's a little bit Cabbage Patch, too. So Okay, I'm horrified. I just looked up a picture of Baby Huey. <laughs> yeah, Baby Huey is no. And I feel like the voice was bad, too. On Baby Huey. I'm going to have nightmares. I'm sorry, guys. Baby Huey ruined bonnets for a whole generation, I feel like. So, no, I can't get on board with the bonnets. Good. Fine. Star declined. (laughs) But don't worry. Facial fashions (laughs) brought out another star. Yes. I will say, though, something I do love about this delivery is there is a handwritten note that comes with the bonnet and it is from Dr. Miracle and Eric. And it says, Mademoiselle, you are lovely. Who knows what the future holds for you? Great things are written on the stars. Eric and I will read them for you. Tonight, the carnival, come. Would you guys go to this carnival? I would live at that carnival. Um, <laughs> I love carnivals. So you would not be suspicious of this note? Oh, hell no. I would be at that carnival with bells on. I have something to ask before we get into this carnival speak. How is it that he can speak of stars and it makes you excited? But when <laughs> Pierre speaks of stars, you are disgusted. You hate Pierre. Say it. I don't like Pierre, no. <laughs> First of Good. all... Glad you finally admitted it. He does have some facial fashions. But if we're talking about facial fashions, did you see the eyebrows of Dr. Miracle? That is something. Yeah. Uh, Those are some radical facial fashions, those eyebrows. (laughs) So wait, are we adding another star? I mean, we kind of have to. Two stars, one for each eyebrow. Yes. Well, wait. Oh, my goodness. One for each eyebrow? Jeez. Well, it is kind of a unibrow, so one star, I guess. Yes, one star. That's what I was going to say. One star for the brows. It's a single brow. Yeah, okay, fine. We can throw throw another star at it. Okay. But I do enjoy a carnival here and there, especially when I'm told to bring funnel cake home to Ben, and then it explodes all over your car. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you will ever live that down. Clink, we had gone to a carnival together, and I think there was like a sudden stop, and the funnel cake went flying. Oh, no. And Rosalie was driving, and I was holding like three funnel cakes just on paper plates Uh on my lap, and there was a jerked like stop. Yes. And some debris went flying. Yes, and 
Here's the thing. Ben complained about this, but Katie cleaned it all up. She brought down like a little like dust buster, the whole thing. And it's only so much you can do in the dark. Yeah. But Ben still complains about this funnel cake mishap in the car. Well, because he did find some pieces of it like a year later. Yeah, and he probably ate it. If he didn't, Foxy did. Right. So it's fine. Well, unfortunately, Pierre, because he is no, (laughs) he forbids Camille from going to the carnival. And instead, he goes in her place, which, of course, displeases the great doctor. Because later, he sets off in his handsome cab. And this time, he brings Eric along for the joyride. And where do they go? Well, you know where they go. They go to Camille's. But just this part is insanity. Like, Eric's just, like, in the car. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty wild. Like, side passenger. (laughs) I don't even think he's buckled in. He's just loose in the cab. Yeah, he's like bouncing about. Yeah. Well, imagine Bela showing up at your doorstep in the pale moonlight and says, Mademoiselle, you will pardon the late hour, but I have to see you. What do you want, monsieur? Don't be alarmed, Mademoiselle. I'm leaving Paris tonight, and there is something I have to tell you. May I come in? Oh, no, monsieur. My mother has gone to sleep. My carriage is downstairs, mademoiselle. We can drive to a cafe and talk. Oh, that's impossible. But it is of greatest importance. Oh, please go away. Mademoiselle, you must come. Please, do me this favor. Oh, let me close the door or call for help. But I have a message for you from Eric. He talks only of you. Can't forget you. There is something you must know. What would you do? <laughs> if uh, Bela showed up at my doorstep with with Eric in tow, yeah, I'd be jumping in and we'd be hitting the town. I'll tell you what. Um, I again, much like black and white movies, I was never a fan of the old man in a monkey suit routine. But I'll tell you what, my my uh, attitude has changed. I've been watching uh, Filmation's Ghostbusters, which the before the big uh, movie with Bill Murray and, and, and crew, there was a Ghostbusters show in 1978 on TV. Uh, and it was two dudes and a guy in a monkey suit busted ghosts. And it's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. So that man in that monkey suit was Bob Burns. And I feel like if old Bob could just throw on a monkey suit and help bust some ghosts, the world is a better place. So, yeah, I I, I like the monkey suit now. I'm, I'm all in. Eric, me, and Bela on the town. Cruising. Cruising through the night. Yes. You would probably really make a special dish for them. From your pantry. <laughs> For sure. I'm thinking, <laughs> let's see, right off the top of my head, we got uh, ramen noodles. It's always ramen noodles. We got marshmallow fill. <laughs> <laughs> make, <laughs> make you some uh, ramen, a little bit of marshmallow fluff. Oh my God. Um, you know what? Let's, um, 
let's dust up a couple of Oreo cookies, sprinkle those on the top. Man, you've got a meal. I was really thinking bananas would be involved <laughs> because of Eric. Why would you logically <laughs> believe this? Because of Eric. Yeah, Plus, but now when I'm saying it, it wouldn't be bananas. It would probably be like runts, like those candies. Like the candy bananas. <laughs> because I feel Clink has an aversion to anything health. Well, yeah. <laughs> Fruits and vegetables, get those out of here. Yeah, we'll take the runs, thank you. Greens, no. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, of course, Camille, she slams the door in the doctor's face. I mean, at this point then, the only next logical step is he releases Eric, and Eric is now loose. Yes, and Eric climbs the steps to her room, and all we see are shadows Fur shadows. That's the worst kind of shadow. <laughs> you mentioned these shadows, and I just, I have to plug this movie that we recently watched, Cobweb. Yeah. It just came out, but the problem is it came out during the Barbie Oppenheimer fiasco. So a lot of people missed it, but it is a great spooky flick, and there are a lot of shadows in that movie. Really great shadows. Yeah, I love shadows. They're so spooky. Mm -hmm. But due to Camille screaming, this wakes up her mother and Eric attacks the mother. It was it was something. There were like disturbing sounds and then there was like some kind of thrusting, which I don't know, Clink, if you have any kind of idea what you would <laughs> call this kill. But yeah. <laughs> No comment. I don't know what's going on in this movie. It's in utterly insane at this point. And what's happening? It's unhinged at this point. And let let's call it a sinister slash. Okay. Yeah. It was sinister. Maybe even suspicious. Yeah. Like and <laughs> just like later the mother is found dead because so we don't really see that she's, you know being murdered at this point because the sounds are interesting and then the thrusting but then we see that she is dead because her body is stuffed into a chimney and her hand is clutching eric's fur we know who committed this crime <laughs> that was insane i'll tell you what i haven't felt this way about a monkey uh committing murder <laughs> since i saw uh dario argento's phenomena with that monkey with the, the monkey with the straight racer have you guys ever seen that one yes Oh my gosh, a straight razor though. Yeah, it's yeah. Katie, you need to watch that film. It, okay. It's wild. It's really something. And it also has uh oh, I'm drawing a blank on Loomis. It yes. has Dr. Loomis Ooh. in it. Yes. Yeah. And I think a pre-labyrinth Jennifer Connolly too. Oh I'll, I'll watch it. Correct. Wow. Yes. She's very young in it. Yeah. And it's got bugs and monkeys with straight razors and Dario Argento. So yeah, you're in for a wild time and heavy metal. Sweet. Yes. I was going to say the soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> I have it on vinyl. Oh, actually. Wow. Yeah. The vinyl I have, you would think it's really cool because it actually has the ape on the cover. Whoa. I love how the door is closed Basically, what happens is you have the town hears this shrill screaming because, of course, like it's very loud. 
And they start coming up the staircase to their apartment. And what I love is that then you get all of these like close-up cuts of the town folk on the staircase. And they're all horrified. And I like this choice of like, you don't see what's happening behind this door. You're just imagining it. And as Katie said, like, you hear all this screaming and thrusting and (laughs) what is happening? Later, when they do find the mother and she's grasping the fur, I mean, it's deduced that Camille was kidnapped by the doctor and taken to the lab, cut to the lab. And we learn that Camille's blood is perfect. Her blood is perfect. And the doctor has finally found a mate for Eric, which that is disturbing. Like, what does that mean, a mate? Honestly, not sure. Yeah, this whole movie's kind of uh, really creepy when you put it under the microscope. But you mentioned that her blood was perfect. I don't think you've brought up the fact that that other lady's blood was rotten. There was he had a whole scene where he's yelling, "The blood is rotten." <sighs> And that's that. perfect. That's like classic Bela. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like he is raving about this rotten blood. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Am I the only one that was rooting for Bela to like, well, actually, now that we've talked about like what his plans were, maybe I wasn't rooting for ba- <laughs> Bela after all. Like he was a total creep and needed to, he needed to go down that trap door. Yeah. I do love him, but yeah, this is like crossing a line and I don't know. Now. (laughs) (laughs) He would do anything for his beloved Eric. Eric, though, he gets very restless in the lab. I think once Bela says like, okay, we found the perfect blood, that causes a stir in Eric. He gets out of control. He ends up killing the doctor. And this slaughter... I believe, deserves a star for Sexy Slasher. Um, who are we deeming sexy here? Yeah, what? Eric. What? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, I don't know, Rosalie. Look at Eric. He's great. Look at him. He's great. I do enjoy his crazy, diabolical desires and... I guess, while I wouldn't say Eric himself is sexy, I think him kind of taking his craziness out on the doctor is, all right, sexy, sure. <laughs> Wait, no. <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm gonna say no. Nothing sexy. <laughs> well, look at Eric. He grabs Camille, and then he starts, like, gallivanting across rooftops, and the town folk are chasing him with pitchforks and burning torches. You didn't feel bad for him, Clint? 
No, throw the, throw the monkey in the river along with Vela. I'll tell you something, though. We haven't brought up the fact that uh, Eric the Ape is cinematically portrayed by a man in a monkey suit and then close-ups of a, a like a chimp. <laughs> oh. oh, seriously? That's what it looks like. That makes sense because you are right. The close-ups do look different yeah. than when he's far away. Right. And I don't even think they made even an attempt to match the two. <laughs> <laughs> look, I didn't notice. They were working with what they could work with. I know. I know. It's fine. But it's a little jarring when Vela uh, is like yelling about rotten blood and then you get a close-up of like <laughs> a chimp and just kind of like, um, you know. I feel like at this part, Eric... Like, he just wanted to, like, run away with Camille, cruise the the ocean line with her. I don't think he wanted to let her die. I think he loved her at this point. Yes, I, I think Eric had a good heart. The doctor was the one making him sinister. Wait, Eric had a good heart? He, he killed an old woman and shoved her in a chimney. I don't know if he qualified. To get to his beloved. He just, she was standing in the way of him having Camille. Yeah, and Clink, weren't you sad at all to see him fall to his death? You weren't upset? I was, but now that we've talked about it and all that thrusting that was mentioned earlier, no, that monkey can die. (laughs) Well, I think he was a valiant victim. Oh, valiant victim? That's uh, three stars. Three? A three? You have run out of star giving. You you start off with a like couple and you have given out like 13. I did like this. Yeah, he was a valiant victim because he had a valiant death splashing into the water. And I don't know. Maybe he survived. It's quite possible. I mean, he truly goes out on a high note here and the death is uncertain. It is a shame that he killed the doctor and... While watching this movie, because Benjamin, my partner in crime, he's an honorary slumberkin. He always watches the films with us. And he said, Eric had the bronze while Bela had the brains. And I think when Eric falls off the roof into the water, it kind of proves that they were truly stronger together. And so with the doctor dying, Eric dies too. And... In the end, though, you do get an amazing picture. This is such a thrilling film. Uh, yeah, I agree. It was pretty fun to watch. It was fun to watch Bela go wild. And this is more of like a, a B picture of Bella. Uh, like later he'd get into the C and D and Z star movies. But I'd say this is a nice <laughs> B picture to his uh, other universal work. I mean... I feel like he's done this part before with the mad scientist. I remember I saw some movie with Bela and he was throwing people dead bodies in the river. (laughs) Wait a minute. That was on the cinematic crypt, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. And I'm glad you brought up about it being a B picture because I had read a book written about Bela Lugosi. And at the time when this film was being made, initially Universal was going to throw a lot of money at it. They had a different director lined up i actually think they had james whale lined up and then they pulled him and put him on a different picture it ended up they actually took a lot of the money away from the budget and i think that's why you ended up kind of with this crazy b picture rather than it being at the tier of like a dracula or frankenstein right and 
once again, though, Bela like saves the day. His the, just the pure Bela-ness of it all kind of saves this picture. If he wasn't in this picture, if it went to somebody, like it went to a Basil Rathbone. <laughs> Wait, Basil wouldn't be the, the mad scientist. Who would, who would be? Like, say this got made. Oh, I know somebody. Like, what if you had Lon Chaney Jr.? That would be something. No. No, that would be terrible. <laughs> You're right. Bella makes this picture work. I enjoyed it. Plus, the runtime is short. So you have that going. Yeah. I will say I'm glad it was just a little over an hour. And if it wasn't for like the last, what, like 20 minutes or so, I feel like I would have tucked myself in at the slumber because <laughs> the rooftop shenanigans were great. And that thrusting, I mean, that was something. It was definitely something. It's funny because I last year, so every year the Mahoning drive-in, which is near us, they do a monster mash. And I got to see this film on 35 millimeter. And I saw it with a couple people that had never seen it before. And when that part of Eric Thrust thing was happening, my friend Hunter was like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> this movie just took a whole other turn. I'm like, yep, it's great. <laughs> I think it's time to bust out the diary. I'm ready to tally. Let's let me grab the diary and my clicky pen. Dear Diary, Murders in the Rue Morgue has earned a total of, I believe, eight stars, maybe nine. Clink is he tossed yeah, out like six, I got so. a little lost with Clink's star throwing. Here are the ones that I had written down. Two hunky horror heartthrobs, Dr. Miracle and Pierre, Hot Wheels, Killer Knockout. Crazy Cuisine, Sexy Slasher, Radical Fashions, Facial Fashions, Twice, Sinister Slash, and Valiant Victim. Which means this black and white beauty shall find a place on our Slumber Party Watch Shelf to be enjoyed forever and ever. I'm going to place it somewhere a little less obvious on the shelf. (laughs) Katie, you keep Bela in the front, all right? Front and center. And I think we'll have more Bela pictures as time goes on that will enter the show. I mean, I'm open to it. Can we just watch Dracula? Yes, we will watch Dracula. And <laughs> yes. Clink will come back on again to speak about it. I would love to. And he'll give us more recipes. That I could do without. <laughs> Who knows? You know what? Maybe I'm in the minority here and the Slumberkins are going to love the witch's brew. Yeah, that one is going to sweep the nation. You just wait and see. Thank you so much for coming on, Clink. We really appreciate it. Well, thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm pleased that we now have a Bella on the shelf and that we got to have our fan club Prezi on the show. Well, it was radical to be here. So I'm glad you guys invited me on. But I feel like something's missing. Um, has anybody told anyone else to stuff their lunch? Isn't that the thing on the show? <laughs> No one did, but I do feel when it comes to Pierre, Katie can stuff her lunch. Hey, I feel like Pierre wants to tell Paul to stuff his lunch. (laughs) Yes. Because he's like, enough with the mac and cheese. I have a case to solve. Katie, that's called cheesy spaghetti. Oh, I'm sorry. Cheesy spaghetti. (laughs) With a little dusting on top. Yes. Well... Until our next slumber party, where can the slumberkins find us? Katie Kins. 
So follow us on Instagram at bestfriendsforever.pod. Yeah, we like to interact with you guys. Yeah, and remember, you can also email us at dearbffpod at gmail.com and join our fan club. We want you to write to us like Bella and send us bonnets. <laughs> send Rosalie bonnets. Attention Movie John, P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145. And if you drop us a line, we will write back and send some goodies, compliments of fan club president, Mr. Clink. Well, that concludes today's program. Shout out to Movie John's Ashley Jane Davis for our radical, spooky theme tunes and the Hollywood hunk Hugo Marmuji for our nifty logo and the bodacious Skeet Ulrich drawing, which we currently have available as a sticker in the Movie John shop. Visit moviejohn.com shop. And Best Friends Forever is part of the Movie John Podcast Network, and we thank you for listening. Please enjoy a short advert from our unofficial official sponsor, Count Chocula Cereal, featuring today's hunky horror heartthrob, Bella Lugosi. Later, Gators. Goodbye. Nothing could tear me away from my Count Chocula Cereal. Who's that? Good morning. Real Dracula. For real? May I have some? You can have mine! I'll sink my teeth into... What? The delicious chocolatey marshmallows and Count Chocula cereal. Oh, yeah. And it's part of this complete breakfast, too. How about the monster for breakfast today? For real? Vampire. Vulture. Body snatcher. Say something.